Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 347. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, and today I'm so excited to bring back one of my favorite past guests and longtime supporters of Bossed Up, Valerie Gordon. Valerie and I are talking through some of the details of her exciting new book, Fire Your Narrator, A Storyteller's Guide to Getting Out of Your Head and Into Your Life which is really all about rebuilding confidence from within. So we're going to talk in our interview today, which was recorded uh, a few months ago, I should confess, (laughs) first and foremost. Not even months, really just a few weeks ago. Um, But I was talking a lot with Valerie at the time about how I'm mentally preparing for childbirth and how that has to do with inner confidence and the narrative stories that we tell ourselves about what we're capable of, which so informs what we do. Um, I can't tell you how much I've been learning about um, the physiology of inner, inner narratives, right? How the mindset that women have going into childbirth can really determine how our bodies respond to what we think we're capable of. But that's a whole other tangent for a whole other day. Um, don't worry if childbirth is not your thing. There's there's very few references to that in today's interview. Uh, but what's most important is that anyone who finds themselves I don't know, spinning out, feeling self-doubt, struggling with imposter syndrome, struggling with anxiety, or just that inner monologue that can be really destructive and, and, and critical and not very nice to yourself, today's podcast episode is so for you. And Valerie's going to share some great strategies for how to begin to take charge of that, that narrative in a new way. A little background on Valerie first. As a career and communication strategist, Valerie works primarily with high achievers using story to build their brand, manage their message, perfect that presentation, and advocate for themselves as they ascend the leadership ladder. After more than 20 years of producing award-winning stories for ESPN, HBO, CBS News, Weekend Today, and the Olympics, Valerie now helps audiences and clients discover the power of their own story and the art of storytelling for impact and influence through her company, Commander and She. She partners with organizations 
organizations and corporations to help bridge the talent gap, encouraging executives to lead with authenticity and empowering women to not only take a seat at the table, but to really impact the agenda. And as an adjunct faculty at the University of Connecticut School of Business, Valerie also teaches career development and job search strategies, helping undergrads prepare a career toolkit and create professional social media presence in advance of graduation. She's also lectured at Columbia University and the University of Hartford. She's from my home state of Connecticut, and she's back on the Bossed Up podcast joining us to talk through her new book. Valerie, welcome back to the Bossed Up podcast. Thank you. (laughs) So Valerie, I'm so excited to dig into your new book, Fire Your Narrator, A Storyteller's Guide to Getting Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. But first, let's back up a second. What inspired you to write this book and how did you get into being kind of a storytelling geek? Well, I've always loved the power of story. And for more than 20 years, my career was I put stories on on television. I was a feature producer and I supervised those stories that would make you cry and care about the newsmaker or the athlete or the coach. And um, I, I loved anything about the emotion around a story. And when I left my corporate job after many years and founded Commander and She, I wanted to help women, career-minded women in particular, develop the power of their own story to help them, as you know, better interview, better negotiate, better plan for their own career success. But of all the stories we tell ourselves, um, none is more powerful than the ones in our own head. Mm. That every day we're creating our own story. There's all these characters in our story, your boss, your mom, your best friend. But the most influential character by far is what I call your inner narrator. And you really can't create an external story of, of great success if you have a faulty inner story. Yeah, I think that is worth pausing on because I hear this come up with my coaching clients a lot with uh, our leadership program, especially Level Up. When I was just talking with someone yesterday, um, she kept using the phrase, I feel like I'm behind or I feel like I'm just catching up. Uh, in her career, she wrote it in her reflection exercises, which are a part of her onboarding materials. And then she mentioned it twice in our first five minutes of our call. And I'm like, where is that narrative <laughs> coming from? Like, who said you're behind and who said you're catching up? Like, how did this framework even begin to inform how you think about yourself? And it had to do with one bad job that she had for mm. two years out of college that felt like she had wasted time or squandered something or mis- made a misstep. And now her whole career narrative is shaped with regret about feeling constantly behind forever and ever. And it's like, man, that's a hard uh, a hard angle to take on yourself that no one else is taking, right? Absolutely. So that's such a self-created uh, phenomenon. I, how does that happen? <laughs> it, well, it's funny because those stories are so much a part of us that we don't even realize the, right. the, the power they have on us. So oftentimes when we think about that voice in our head, a lot of people think of it as the inner critic, right? So mm. that we have this, we have this inner voice that scolds us or chastises us or makes us feel bad. You know, we're our own worst enemies, but the inner critic is just one type of narrator that I explore in the book. It's certainly the most common one, but there are others. And what a narrator in your head really does is it sort of 
sort of, um, as, as this person would tell you, kind of, you know, tells the story and almost in voiceover, like a bad movie trailer throughout your day. You are constantly right. talking to yourself and reframing yourself and reframing your own beliefs. In other words, we set out to confirm mm. our own beliefs. So this poor girl that you mentioned had this experience, a bad experience, and it became this um, narrative hook that she now yeah. holds on to. And so it yeah. follows her around. And, and as she experiences her day, everything falls into that narrative and they grow stronger and stronger. And so we really need the tools mm. to get at well, whose story is this anyway? Mm. And what is the value of that story? And, and maybe compartmentalizing experiences that um, are, are difficult or challenging or negative into experiences and not what I would call narrative point of view. So the mm. power of that inner narrator is it talks us through our day, whether mm -hmm. it's an overly critical one or an overly doubting one or a ruminating one that, you know, thinks about past experiences and, and use that, uses them as guidance for the future. That mm. narrator, that consistent narration it provides throughout our day creates our narrative point of view, which in storytelling terms is the tone of the story in our mm. lives. That is the way we look at the world and we look at um, the opportunities around us and how we interact with them. That's so, so for someone like that kind of stuck in a bad story, that is an absolutely yeah. in internal story that is creating external havoc for her. And um, right. it's time to rewrite those storylines. And I do believe that everybody has the power to do that. And why is that important? Why do you think there's, there's the impetus or why should we consider rewriting our stories? Because so often we are stuck in old or outdated stories mm -hmm. that we've been telling ourselves. And, and we use those past stories to model our, our, present actions and our present yes. actions create our future impact, as you know. So if you're stuck in a bad story or you see yourself a certain way and you're using that to guide your present actions, the future yeah. story is just going to mimic the past. So I like to talk through the different you know, narrative types, how they show up, get people mm. really identifying well, just whose story is this anyway, and then give some tips as to how we can question that and decide, is this story worth holding on to. Right. Um, and yeah. what is the value of it of it today? And it has such a huge degree of um, influence over our confidence, which you know right. is such a big thing. And that has to start from within. And if you're living in a in an older, outdated story, it can be very difficult to do mm. that. Yeah. I always ask the folks I work with, like, how is this story serving you? <laughs> you exactly. know, is it is it serving you? Because if not, how long are we going to allow an outdated story to hold us back from Absolutely. like rewriting our future. I think that's a really good point. So let's get into these narrator types. You have quite the storytelling background. So it sounds like in your new book, you identify 10 different types of inner narrators. What are some of the most common ones that you see emerging in the folks that you work with? This is a list I developed from speaking with dozens of clients and hearing from hundreds of audience members in the workshops that I lead and how much it made me realize the power of those inner stories. And like I mentioned, everyone thinks of this as, oh, it's my inner critic speaking. And an mm. inner critic is, is the most common or most familiar type. Some people call this your inner bully I, I know some prominent authors have called it their inner a-hole, <laughs> um, <laughs> however you want to think of it. But a critic is only one type. 
And what I've learned in hearing the, the phrases people use and how they talk to themselves is I've identified other types as well. And I mm. set them into 10 categories and I describe them in the book. And the book actually allows the reader to be able to map out their mm. narrator. Sometimes you have more than one uh, narrative type speaking. So everyone sort of has their own unique unique narrator. So the critical narrator is the most common. And, and that's exactly what you think of it. It's, a, it's an inner voice that is judgmental, that tells you you're not good enough, that tells you you're not ready, that says, wow, you really screwed that up. And the example I give for most people, if they're not sure, what do you mean by this inner voice? Mm. I guess there, there might be some people, Emily, who actually don't have that inner monologuing going on mm -hmm. all day. And I, I, I envy them <laughs> because I can't imagine how much free space they have in their heads. Um, but this is for everybody else that, that knows what I'm talking about. You get up, you start your work day, you're psyched and ready to go. And the first thing you do is you spill your cup of coffee all over your laptop. <laughs> yeah, that, that voice, whatever yeah. happens next in yeah. your head... That is your narrator talking to you. And so obviously that's a place where a critical narrator might show up. But mm. some of the other types that are quite common, and I'll give you um, just a few today. Um, yeah. Some of the ones that I know are what I would call the runaway narrator. So mm -hmm. the runaway narrator will take a storyline like I've just spilled my coffee on my laptop, which is fact, right? And, and maybe that inner mm -hmm. voice is, I'm such an idiot, I can't do anything right. That's what the critical narrator says. The runaway narrator will take that storyline and run with it. So mm. now you're not just um, criticizing yourself in the moment. You're taking it into the future. Oh, my God, my day is ruined. Uh, nothing is going to go well for me today. I can't do anything right. This always mm -hmm. happens. I might as well just go back into, back to bed. Yeah. So now we've taken a storyline in a moment and we've run with the narrative into a place most of the time we don't want to go. Yeah. So that's a <laughs> runaway narrator. And you have Are to there... stop a runaway narrator in its tracks. Right. Because that can get out of hand. I feel like I feel like my narrator is like at first more coaching, you know, like more nice to me. Like, come on, Emily, <laughs> like get it together. You could do this. And then, you know, 17 missteps later and it's a runaway. Like, yes. never mind. This day yes. is shot to hell. <laughs> and we all have that tendency. I yeah. think the ability to be able to stop that thought process, to stop the narrator from running with the story. Do I really want to go where this is going? Or am I okay to just say, hang on a second. This, this is something bad in the moment and, you know, it doesn't mean that the rest of the day is going to be terrible. I mean, that's, that's really what you have to do is, uh, with a runaway narrator is to stop it in its tracks. Now, one other narrator that I see a lot and I suffer from it, and I'm going to suggest that you might have this narrator mm. in your head as well. It's not necessarily a bad one. I call it the striving narrator. And I imagine a lot of your podcast listeners are strivers as well, meaning they are highly ambitious, they are high achievers, they are always looking for that next step, which isn't a bad thing, right? Right. But the striving narrator oftentimes feels like everything they accomplish is not enough. They are constantly striving for more. So they don't mm. sit and reflect on their accomplishments and value them they're already running to the next thing. Not good enough. More is never enough. Keep going. You're going to get there. And yet we keep moving. The striver narrator keeps moving the goal line. So mm. to give you an example, that's a very different voice than an inner critic or runaway narrator, but the striver can show up. And that's a story like anything else that we tell ourselves 
I must keep striving. I must keep doing. I must keep accomplishing. So a yeah. striving narrator in small doses is, is terrific. It'll help you achieve your goals. In larger doses, it can make you feel as if you are never going to get to a place of satisfaction. Right. And what does that sound like sometimes? Is it like on to the next? And yes. yes. All right. Like whatever. Okay, you, yeah. did this. you did this. What now? Now keep what? Going. Not, yeah. not, not good enough. You know, I mean, you, right. you've, you've done it, so you need to keep moving on. And, and I think there's ways to use that voice helpfully, but also, as you said, you know, it, it, you have to look at where did that first come from? Where did that right. narrative point of view come from and why hmm. am I holding on to it? How is it serving me today? And, and yeah. what doses? I think it's interesting because like I I see this in my mother in particular and I, I think a lot of women and as someone who's on the precipice of becoming a mom, I think this is a mom thing too, mm-hmm. uh, which is the running to-do list in my head, mm-hmm. right? Where I don't I, – I had to like take my mom to Columbia a couple years ago to be like, stop. Stop thinking. Like start being here with me. You know what I mean? Like – and she really, I think, is uncomfortable in the space between achieving things mm-hmm. and is more just thinking, okay, what now? What do I need to do now? What do we need to get done? And that kind of compulsive desire for progress keeps you very productive, keeps you very busy, but it makes me think that there's discomfort in stillness. And I totally have some of that myself. I can't just call out my mom because I'm in a mindfulness for childbirth nine week class right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I keep saying at every class when our, our uh, nurse midwife who's leading it asks lots of different questions and we do lots of, lots of meditation, like three hours of meditation, a class, which is way more than I was signing up for. (laughs) She's like, what comes up for you? And I'm like, I cannot sit still Mm -hmm. this long. Like I need to be moving my body. I just, I'm like kind of like, uncomfortable in that amount of stillness. And I just wonder, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, is that part of the striver, inner critic or inner, inner narrator? Um, and how that shows up. Absolutely. Cause you're used to being busy and accomplishing. And so sitting still is uncomfortable for you, gives you that itchy or unpleasant feeling. And that's why one of the tips for a striving narrator, who's always ready to go, go, go and do, do, do is to practice being present and to understand mm-hmm. that the that being present is a practice. So yeah. meaning, oh, you you will be uncomfortable doing it. And so right. not right. to judge yourself, um, you know, or to think it won't work, which brings up another narrator I have, mm. um, which I would call the defeatist narrator, which is someone yeah. who says, this is how I am and I can never change. So what's the point? You know, what's mm-hmm. the point of even trying? And I appreciate with you that even though you're not necessarily someone who enjoys the mindfulness practice, you are engaging in it and curious about what might happen if you do it, as opposed to drawing upon, let's say, a defeatist narrator that might just say, well, there's, you know, there's no point in my doing this. And we see that in other ways too. You know, when I work with clients, as I'm sure you do, and and maybe they have a a difficulty with their boss and it's, they're already starting with a defeatist narration in their head of, this will never work. You right. know, he will right. never change. Therefore, it's really not worth my doing anything. I should just, you know, just show up for work and do my job and stop wishing for more. I mean, that's really taking it to the extreme. But the defeatist narrator would be another yeah. type that shows up when you are not willing to push yourself out of the comfort zone, try something new, and just see what happens. 
So for each of these narrators, there's different ways that we can question the story we are telling ourselves and decide if it's time to revisit it, reframe it, and rewrite it. Okay. All right. So let's let's dig into that. What does that process look like? Because it sounds it sounds hard to even recognize at first. It really is because these stories or this this inner narrator is so ingrained in us, you almost don't realize it's there. I mean, it just right. shows up. It's so natural. You don't even realize that you are creating this narrative in your head. And so that's the mm. first step, I think. And, and one of the techniques I have, and, and it's really how I start the book, is I have named my inner narrator. I have given it a name, which mm-hmm. people will, who, who do a lot of work around the inner critic will tell you that's an effective technique. So I have named my narrator because I want to make sure I am separating the storylines that I've created in my head from who I actually am in the present and who I might be in the future. So mm. this is going to sound a little strange. Just bear <laughs> with me here. I have a, uh, a, a very harsh woman in my head who I named Squash. Squash. Love yes. that. And I name her Squash because that's exactly what she does. She shows up at really inopportune times to squash my confidence. <laughs> and if I had a visual representation of what my narrator looks like, she's like this, this obscenely large, harsh, like Viking Russian woman. I know you can't be both Viking and Russian, but uh, she's like a <laughs> Russian judge, you know, at the Olympics where nothing is ever good enough. And this like very like hard driving Viking woman. And this is Squash and she's in my head and she is the one who you know, if I go for a two mile run and I'm pleased that I've done it, she'll jump in and be like, but you were so slow Mm. or, you know, what, it was only two miles or whatever, you know, or you walked half of it. I mean, she's always sort of there and it's kind of like, gee, where did that come from? But by naming our narrator, and I would challenge you if you haven't already to name Mm -hmm. your own, we do start separating that voice from the actual experience, you can almost question it. There are studies that show that even talking about yourself in the third person can help you um, be more objective and, and build your confidence. So now I know, <clears throat> excuse me, now I know when that voice shows up, like that's squash and she's yeah. always along for the ride, but I'm going to turn the volume down on her a little bit. So yeah. Emily, have you ever named this inner voice? Oh of my yours? gosh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Should we come I, I, up with a name for her today? <laughs> I feel like my I've worked a lot on um, transitioning her from inner critic to inner coach. Mm-hmm. So like I'll use my own name a lot and be like I'll like give myself a pep talk. So I'm mm-hmm. often saying like Come on, Emily, or like Emily, you can do this. You know what I mean? And almost just addressing myself with my own name kind of is my go-to. But yeah, we you know what we should give my. Uh, my inner narrator name on is the worry, the worrier. You talked a little bit about the the yeah. self-doubt. Mm-hmm. I have like my preparation streak and my organization and my hard work ethic can morph into unhelpful anxiety mm-hmm. <laughs> on occasion. And she's a nervous Nancy. I would I would maybe call her Nancy. Yeah. So maybe when Nervous Nancy shows up, we know that that's her narrative, but it's not necessarily yours. And Coach Emily can jump in and kind of, you know, give her a talking to. So it sounds to me, obviously, we Mm -hmm. we know you have a striving narrator. You are so ambitious and you've accomplished so much and you have so much more you want to do. You will always be striving and need to do so in ways that are satisfying to you. And you might also have what I would call the overthinking narrator. Yeah. Which is someone that is always on, is always thinking, questioning, what more, you know, what more should I be doing or doubting 
was this enough? And an overthinking narrator can oftentimes hold us back from taking action on mm-hmm. something. And you know, um, when you're in that position, how much you do need to push, push through. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, the antidote to, to anxiety. Totally. One, uh, what often comes up for me is when there are things that I really can't control. Mm-hmm. COVID, I mean, this whole past year, my God, like how much of this past year have, has been totally out of all of our hands. So that is such a discomforting <laughs> feeling when I have this big, deal hanging mm-hmm. in the balance. The client says, yeah, send me the contract. I'll sign. And I'm just waiting and wondering and saying, okay, what's the deal? Why isn't this a done deal yet? What is happening? Like that part of me is like, this is never going to happen. Like, right. don't get your hopes up. Right. That part is really unhelpful. And my therapist, you'll appreciate this, says, okay, you can let you know, we'll call her Nancy, let nervous Nancy say her piece and then check the facts, which check I know is facts. part yes. of your, your Who advice says too. It so? Who says it so? Nancy's right. saying it. Who says it so? And that's so important. But first of all, I want to point out how much I appreciate, and I know your listeners appreciate how real you are about this. I think people look at you and they think, oh, she's got it all together and she's so confident. And you are, but it's also helpful to know that really high achieving, highly competent, confident people can still struggle at times with an inner narrator that is unhelpful. And so just by sharing that, it it creates this feeling of, okay, we're not in this alone. Everyone has this to to some degree. And what I'll say as well is as I'm writing this book, as I'm writing Fire Your Narrator and giving people tips on how to control their own inner narrator, I have Squash sitting on my shoulder going, nobody's going to read this. I mean, Mm -hmm. this book sucks. Like, you know, I'm sure there's a typo on page 23 or whatever. And so (laughs) I I really got, I mean, the book is, is it's really written with a lot of humor too, because I want it to be relatable. I might have tips and suggestions for people, but that doesn't mean I don't also struggle with this. And you gave one of the main tips, um, which is to examine, to look for the facts. And I say, you know, as you examine the evidence, who says it's so? Who is actually Mm. talking? Because so often we'll have an experience, like you said, you know, COVID upended everything, or you're waiting to sign a deal and it's not Mm -hmm. happening. And that is actually an experience. But what our narrators tend to do, because they want to put everything into the stories they're already familiar with, is we take the experience and we assign it meaning based on our story. And oftentimes we, we incorporate it into what becomes sort of an overarching character flaw or belief, like mm-hmm. this will never happen for me, or maybe that I'm not right. good enough, or they don't want me, or you know, nothing works out for me, whatever that voice starts telling you, when really yeah. you have to separate the experience from that inner narrative point of view because it, it wants to, you know, kind of fit it into the storyline. So starting with who says it's so and really looking, okay, what are the facts here? Right. And stopping that runaway narrator, that defeatist narrator from thinking this isn't going to work. That's really the first step. I want to pause here for a second. So you said separating the experience from really, it sounds like the thought, Mm -hmm. right? Which is so what my mindfulness class is teaching me Mm -hmm. (laughs) right now, which is like being able to recognize the thought bubble the thought cloud, whatever metaphor you want to use of it floating by in your subconscious or your conscious and knowing this is a thought about an experience. This isn't the experience. Exactly. And that is wild. Like if we can, if we can do that 
like how much more agency we have over our own inner experience. I'll give you a quick example. I got a cranky client email, which is a rarity here Mm -hmm. at Bossed Up, I might add, but I got a cranky client email yesterday morning and I made the stupid mistake of checking my email like first thing in the morning, which Mm -hmm. none of us should do. And I rarely do. I don't know why I did this on this particular day. So I haven't even poured myself a cup of coffee yet. And I'm like, oh, God, I have a real situation (laughs) ahead of me today. And then I went about my morning, right? Because I'm going to have to answer this email, but I know better than to answer it right away, Mm -hmm. uh, and especially pre-coffee. And so I'm pouring myself my cup of coffee. I'm looking out the window. I'm thinking about what I want to have for breakfast. You know, I'm, I'm... planning whether I should do a yoga routine or maybe go for a walk this morning. But every single moment of that morning was me snapping back at mm. this email in my head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn it, this was ruining my morning. <laughs> like, And had it been for the mindfulness training that I am forcing myself to do uh, in preparation for parenting, <laughs> Like, I don't think I would have been able to recognize the difference between my experience of the morning. I'm doing these things. I'm making my coffee and my thoughts throughout the morning. Exactly. Which, and I, I just – I said to myself at one point, I, I don't want to be thinking about this email. <laughs> I'm not writing this fucking email right now. <laughs> why am I think? why am I constructing my response in my mind right now? I – like seeing that thought interrupt my whole morning was such a frustration, but in fact, that is mindfulness, right? It's like being able to differentiate the two. Absolutely. Between- so it sounds like the practice is paying, even if you're not enjoying the the actual practice of it, it does sound like, <laughs> right. it, like it is paying off. And that's why they, they do call it a practice. But what I like about how you told that story is you started by saying you got this email, you know, cranky email from a client, but that it was a rarity. So oh, just yeah. using that one word shows me that you are fact-checking your own inner narrative of like, right, oh my God, right. it's not like this always happens. <clears throat> so the question really becomes, how do you make sure that doesn't ruin your day right, or set the right. tone for the day? And right. some of that is deciding, okay, what do I, separating it from the, you know, the, separating this one thing from the rest of the experience and deciding, mm. okay, how do I want to tackle this? And when you see your mind going back to that, to yeah. be able to to be able to reset, not now. I'm going to deal with that at 4 p.m. Right. And if you have a negative Nancy who starts saying, "Oh, you always screw this up, Emily. You know, someone's mm-hmm. unhappy. This isn't going to go well." To be able to quiet her down to say, mm. "This is one unhappy client, and I will respond when I've you know given thought as, as to what to say." So, so that's really the first thing is acknowledging that this one experience doesn't have yeah. to become the whole story. And um, absolutely to stay in the present is one of the tips that I have for many of the narrators. Another tip I'd really like to get into because it does get back to these longtime stories we tell ourselves is to sort of Mm -hmm. unpack the cart. And I tell a story about every time I go to Target, whether I'm going for two or three (laughs) items, I always manage to wind up filling a cart with all the stuff I think I need, right? It's called the Target 200. It's a well-known phenomenon. I can't leave Target without spending $200. Cannot get out of Target without spending $200. And there was one time I had, it was sort of a rickety cart. And as I I bought all this stuff, you know, and the cashier says, oh, did you find everything you were looking for? (laughs) It's like, I found a lot of stuff I wasn't looking for. Yeah, Yeah. And it occurs to me as I'm pushing this heavy rickety cart to my car that I now own all this stuff. And this Mm. stuff is mine. Some of it's helpful, but some of it really I don't need. And I'm now going to carry this around with me. 
until yeah. I figure out what to do with it. And to me, our stories are like the stuff at Target that we put in our cart. We collect stories throughout our lives. You know, your fourth grade teacher who said you were no good at math or, you know, you're the, the boy who, who dumped you or the mm. boss who, who, who thinks you're just not good enough and, and gave you a bad review, whatever it is. We have all these stories and we hold on to them. It's like we almost put them in our own story cart and our narrative is born from that. So when mm. people have a typically difficult story, like you started the conversation about the woman at work who was telling herself mm -hmm. this really unhelpful story, I like to go back and say, what, what is the genesis of this thought? Like, what is the totally. original story? So we can go back and examine it. I call that unpacking the cart so mm. that you're not just carrying it around forever. Let's get it where the story started yeah. and now decide what do we want to do with it moving forward. And that's the way really to get out yeah. of your head and into your life is to not continue to play out old storylines that are no longer serving you, but it takes a totally. lot of being present and a lot of work to, to do so. And just to be clear, I can't do that work alone. <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> like it's rare that people do this alone, right? Like this is where having a wonderful coach or therapist or counselor can make such a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it depends on the depth of the stories. Like I don't sure, need to sort of sure. shortchange, you know, many of us have been through very difficult, challenging, or even traumatic experiences that do need to be unpacked. But if you're right. looking just to be, rather than your own worst critic, perhaps your own best friend, or you said like, right. you know, having a coach Emily in your head, right. I like to think of recasting that narrator. You can fire the narrator in your head, or at least turn down the volume of it and, and bring in a new one. And so when I think of squash, this awful evil Viking Russian critical, you know, woman in my head. Um, I have recast her who I would like to cast instead of squash is, um, do you, you know, I, I like the, uh, the, the warriors, the female warriors from, from black Panther, the Wakandan nice. warriors, right? They are tough. They are together. They, you know, I would like that those women to have my back. I would call them my squad. So by changing, mm. Two little letters of squash and substituting <laughs> one letter from squad, I can turn squash into squad and think about how might my squad respond in this situation mm. and, you know, put that cheerleader, put that coach in your head. Um, it's not always possible to get rid of that narrative voice. It's always going to be there. I just sort of, you know, count on them being along for the ride, but yeah. don't let them interrupt your opportunity to create the next chapter of the story. Turn down the volume a little, get another voice in there so that you yeah. can take new action so that your future story isn't going to only rely on the past ones you've been holding on to. I love that. What a good reminder of what this is all about. So I know our time is limited, Valerie. I want to make sure we tell folks where they should go to keep up with you. Um, but before they, before we do that, why, well, not why, but for whom is this book written? Who's the person that really would benefit from mm -hmm. your new book, Fire Your Narrator? This is for anyone who really wants to get out of their head, their own self-critical, questioning, doubtful voice that they feel is holding them back from true success and happiness. And largely it's geared towards women in the workforce who want more success and satisfaction. 
on their own terms. And we all have enough hurdles that we're going to mm. face in our careers. So what I want to remove is the one that we've implanted for ourselves by this narrative point of view. If you can get out of your head and into some action, you can face the any conflicts you'll have ahead with a greater sense of confidence. So it's for all those high achieving women out there who surface level look like they have it all together, but right. inside we know, we know they are struggling with unhelpful stories. And my hope is that the book gives them some tips on how to reframe those stories and then be able to write the next chapter. Um, and for anyone interested in following, my company is Commander in She. Um, I help women take command of their storytelling, how they tell their stories, how they think of their stories. So it's commanderinshe.com. It's got hyphens. It works actually with or without hyphens uh, in between commanderinshe.com. Mm. And they can follow me there. And I'm also very active on, on LinkedIn as well as Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram as well, a little bit on Instagram. And I invite everybody to come join me and see the adventures of squash and how I'm going to try to <laughs> try to squash what's squashing me in my own narrative. I love it, Valerie. We will drop show notes or links to all of those resources in today's show notes. Thank you so much for being a longtime member of the Bossed Up community and, and supporter of, of me and Bossed Up. I'm so glad to have you back. Well, thank you so much, Emily. And I think we can all use a coach Emily in our heads. <laughs> so that's another character I think we should all cast as, a, as our upcoming narrator. I love it. For more links and details and show notes about everything that Valerie and I discussed, head to bossedup.org slash episode 347. That's bossedup.org slash episode 347. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. Today, I want to give a big shout out to Grace, an alum of our Hired Job Search Accelerator. Grace joined us in Hired after being unfortunately laid off from a role that frankly she didn't love anyway, working at the intersections of customer service, technology, and healthcare. Now, obviously being laid off is jarring and not fun, but in this instance, it was kind of an opportunity for Grace to really reflect on what she really wanted. She'd been working in this role while simultaneously pursuing her master's in public health, and through Hired, Grace really focused her job search strategy on targeting working within the healthcare industry a little more directly because truly her motivation has always been focused on improving access and outcomes for patients, not just helping with support tickets in, in healthcare tech. Now, just one month after the hired program wrapped, I am thrilled to report that Grace landed a dream job that is exactly the kind of role she was looking for, but didn't think she could actually get before finishing her master's. And as an added bonus, her new employer is helping to pay for the rest of her degree. Congratulations, Grace. This is such a major boss move. We are all so proud of you here at Boss Up. Now, if you're on the precipice of making a similar switch, looking to level up, looking to accelerate your job search, Check out Hired and learn more about the program to see if it's right for you at bossedup.org slash get hired. If you've got a boss move to share or want to call in a career conundrum for future discussion with my expert guests on an upcoming episode, 
Give the Bossed Up Podcast hotline a ring right now and leave me a message at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. That's 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And you can always send me a voice memo at info at bossedup.org. Now, I want to know what you think about Valerie's excellent strategies for shifting the inner narrative and reclaiming confidence in your own head first. Head to the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook and let's keep the discussion going there. I'd love to hear what your takeaways are, what you'd add to her strategies, tips, and tricks, and how reshaping your inner narrative is showing up in your life these days. Until next time, boss, let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose and together let's lift as we climb. <laughs>